Welcome back to the Anchor Down Podcast. I'm Dustin Mills, founder of Anchor Down Leadership LLC and your host for this program. If you joined us last episode, welcome back. If not, when you get a chance, go back and give it a listen. I think it'll really help explain who we are and what we're trying to do with this podcast. Just like last week, I want to thank you for listening as there are countless things you could be doing and you chose to listen to this podcast. So as always, I'm extremely grateful. Likewise, I challenge you as a leader to always examine the way you do things, your personal values, your leadership skills, your organization's leadership systems, whatever it may be, always be looking to challenge your thinking and to get better. Just a reminder about who we are, Anchor Down Leadership is a leadership consulting group based around the idea of formalized leadership training, character character development, and creating value-based leaders in a 21st century environment. We believe in our established five anchors of leadership, selflessness, commitment and competency, respect and relationships, positivity, and ownership. So last week, last episode, we discussed the number one thing all leaders must do, which we said was to set the standard for their organization. Whatever the values of the organization are going to be, quality leaders have to be willing to live and uphold those standards at all times, as well as to hold every other member of the organization accountable to that standard. How do we decide what our values are? How do we know how to pick the values that we think our team, organization, or business needs? Those are some great questions. Uh, I think that's an important part of the leadership and organizational development. So let's get into that with this episode, right? Choosing your values. When it comes to your organization, okay, and we're not, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about personal values. That's a different situation altogether. We're going to talk about organizational values. Now, I do think that they are related. I think, as we'll talk about, your personal values will come out in your organization if you are an effective leader, but that's a different discussion. When it comes to your organization, the first thing a leader needs to decide is whether your organization is going to be rules-based or values-based or a hybrid of the two. So what's the difference? Why does it matter? Well, a rules-based organization is one that has a lengthy list of rules, regulations, policies, and procedures, and there are consequences for every violation of these rules. The organization is dictated by the rules. This is what most of us think leadership is, right? Developing all these rules, coming up with these ideas of how to get people to act a certain way. We love rules and control. A lot of people get into leadership because they want to have more power and more control. And this can be, this can work if an organization is highly structured and everyone knows their role. Some examples might be like a fast food restaurant or factories, right, where we want consistency and everything to be the same every time, no matter where uh, our product is located. However, in a rules-based organization, people learn simply to not break the rules, right? Okay, that's the rule. I'm not going to break it. So what do they do instead? They find ways to bend the rules and navigate around them. A couple of stories here. When I was younger, I worked in a nationwide fast food chain, and, you know, again, there was a lot of policies and procedures. We had to do things a certain way, and and I understand it. Like I said, they want consistency. They got health things they got to look out for, but what the people I worked with started to do, right, is if the the French fries, uh, after a certain amount of time, had to be thrown out, well, maybe we would keep a certain amount of French fries hidden a little longer, and, oh, we got to throw these out. I guess we can eat them. 
or you know maybe a burger patty got a little too overcooked a couple times. Oh, guess guess we got to throw this out. Well, instead of throwing it out, of course, what's easier? Let the staff eat it. So again, we're not breaking the rules per se, but we're bending the rules to to try and uh, get what we want out of it. Also, in a rules-based organization, right? When you tell people not to do something, it makes them want to do it more. Okay, and this is kind of innate in a lot of us. I, I've got a one-year-old son. Well, he's closer to a year and a half, but I told my wife I'm not going to make people do math and list the amount of months. So we'll just say he's close to a year and a half. He does things he knows he's not supposed to do, and we constantly tell him, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. But there's a certain you know, attraction to doing that because you want to know why. You want to know why can't we do that. And when we operate under rules-based, we tell people not to do something. To a certain extent, we're kind of pushing them to maybe do that action, or more importantly, do that action and then cover it up because they don't want to get caught. Rules-based organizations are more focused on the product and possess what we call outcome-based mindsets, which we'll talk about uh, next week in the next episode, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. That's a different story. They put less value on the people in their organization. They're more focused on the product. Okay, Like I said, that fast food chain, that factory, is the product up to par. They're not so much worried about what did the people do to get that product. We're not so much worried about how did we treat the people that made that product. We're just worried about did they make that product we want? Did they make that product the way it's supposed to be? The people who work in these environments, consequently, have less loyalty to the organization. If I don't feel like the organization values me as an individual, why should I be loyal to that organization? They might keep that job working for McDonald's or something because it's, quote, a good job, okay? Or they work in that factory because it's a good job. But they don't love that company, and they certainly don't work there because they're loyal to the GM or the CEO of that company. Now, conversely, values-based organizations deal with character and culture. People learn to value certain philosophies and characteristics. They do things not because the rules tell them to, but because they believe in the values of that organization and want it to be the best possible. They understand that a successful organization helps them become a successful individual. So they seek to uphold those team values, those organizational values. A values-based organization is more about people and their growth and what we call a process-based mindset. By teaching people the values of our organization, we watch those values become part of who the individual is, and we see them grow as a person. We also see the value of a group that holds themselves accountable. As an effective value-based organization, we'll have the members of the organization hold each other accountable, and less of that will have to be done by the leader. Uh, another example, we have a, a high school here uh, locally. It's in a different state, but where I live, it's a, it's a tri-state region, and they're on a district system, and it's a, they're very tight-knit districts. And we have had uh, athletes transfer into this district to maybe gain an extra year of eligibility or, or something like that for whatever reason. Uh, one particular athlete kind of had a reputation as a knucklehead, as a hothead. And he moved into this tight-knit organization, this tight-knit school district. And within the first two or three days there, he got in trouble. He was doing things that he had done at his previous school. The school came to him and said simply, in, in the, not just the administration, but the other players at that school, the other people at that school came to him and said, listen, we don't do that here. That's not how we operate. And once he heard that, once he understood that, 
he became a very effective student athlete for that school. But again, that culture, that values base that they had dictated to him how he was going to act because the people in that organization, not the leaders per se, but the individuals in that organization went to him and said, hey, that's not how we do things. Here's how we're going to operate. Now, it sounds like values-based is 100% the way to go, right? Oh, yeah, we want to build people and things like that. There's still some flaws with this approach, though, because at the end of the day, remember, we're dealing with humans, and a lot of us are dealing with teenagers who are not known for their fantastic decision-making skills. While we might be teaching them the values of our organization, they are still growing and are probably going to, to violate our values. They're going to do something contradictory to what we've taught them to believe. Furthermore, having policies, procedures, and rules gives people guidance and direction for their actions and activities. So what can we do as a leader? Well, it's simple. We can actually use both. It's not often in this world you can have your cake and eat it too, but we can do that when setting the foundation for our teams and organizations. We can be a primarily value-based organization while still having some aspects of the rules-based. Honestly, I think any good organization or team needs to have both. When you have one and don't use the other, it, 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 you kind of struggle. But when you can use the best aspects of both, I think that really makes your organization stronger. We need to have core values that determine what we care about. But we also need to have some policies and procedures that dictate how we do things. Our people need a framework of what is expected of them. And that's kind of the benefit of having policies and procedures and rules. Now, we don't want to control every aspect of their life, but we want to give them structure and framework of how we operate. And allows us to take those values and make them actionable. You know, we say, hey, this is what we want you to value. However, here's how we're going to implement it through this policy and procedure. Now, let's face the reality, and I'm especially talking to football coaches here because that's what I know best. But many of us love to control everything that is going on. From the minute our players and people walk into the building, we want to give them complete structure. Heck, this is even what formalized education preaches. For those of you who are teachers out there, you know this. You want to make sure you have a structured classroom at all times. We want to have a rule or control for everything. I challenge you to move away from that mindset. Instead, focus on establishing policies, procedures, and rules for things that actually matter. Don't try and make a rule for everything. Just make policies for the important stuff. Make policies for the stuff that you think actually matters. Develop a value-based culture to help deal with some of the other stuff. Let your people keep each other in check. Give up some of the power. There, I said it. Modern-day leaders can't try and control everything. No longer, when we tell our people to jump, do they ask us how high. Nowadays, we tell our people to jump, and they ask, why? Why do you want me to jump? And I think that's a valid question. We should be questioning those in charge of us, but we should also be trusting them in what they're doing. When we focus on only using policies, procedures, and rules, we build in that why question. People don't necessarily trust us because our response is, because those are the rules. Them's the rules. You need to follow them. But when you build value-based or you focus on value-based and not just rules-based, people understand, like, I may not completely know why here, but I trust the person making the decisions. So I'm going to do what needs to be done. You build in those policies and procedures 
but let your culture flourish as well. By creating a ton of rules and trying to control everything, you force your people to become dependent on you for everything. And that's not what we want as leaders. We're not on the field playing with them. We're not on the factory floor making the products. We're not in the sales room making that sale. We want independent thinkers who can make their own decisions. I was fortunate to learn this early on. I was a very young JV head coach. It's my, my first or second year, right? And with our team, the quarterbacks are responsible for bringing out the ball bag every day to practice. And I would always run, hey, don't forget the ball bag. Hey, don't forget the ball bag. Hey, don't forget the ball bag. One day, I forgot to tell them, hey, don't forget the ball bag. And guess what they forgot? Well, gosh darn it, they forgot the ball bag. And I said, well, guys, why didn't you bring the ball back? How could you forget? And they said, coach, you didn't remind us. And that made me realize, I said, you know what? I made them dependent on me for something as simple as bringing out a pivotal piece of equipment. Instead, I maybe should have told them once or twice and then allowed them to remind themselves, hey, we need to bring out the ball back. And when they don't bring it out, there's some consequence, which teaches them, hey, we need to remember to bring the ball back. Instead, they were completely dependent on me and everything I said. And the one time I forgot to tell them, they forgot as well. So that taught me early on, hey, we really, really need to be specific. And we really, really need to not let people be dependent on us. We need to allow them to be independent and learn on their own. Allow your people to have some of their own independence and identities. Remember, as we talked about last episode, we don't want a team full of carbon copies. We want a group of individuals whose strengths and weaknesses complement each other. So by establishing this hybrid type of organization that takes elements of rules-based and values-based, we can really see this happen. You have to determine your core values and teach people to live by them, but you need to use some policies and procedures and rules to help them shape that learning. It's kind of like somebody who's working on a potter's wheel, right? You take this lump of clay and you throw it down. Your values are your, your vision, right? I know what I want this, this clay lump to look like. But if I just sit there and I never try and structure it with my hands, it never becomes other, anything other than a lump of clay. So those rules are kind of the hands on that clay, helping shape it and determine what it's going to look like in the end. Those are the policies and procedures. But I have to start with an idea and values in order to determine where I want to go with those policies and procedures. I can't just use one or the other. I need to use both if I want my organization to be successful. So how do I determine my organization's core values, right? We've talked about rules-based and values-based and how we need to use a little bit of both. But in order to use any of those, right, I need to have those core values. So how you decide on your organization's core values, the actual action that you take is not super important. You can do it however you want. And we'll talk about some here in a little bit. But there are some things you have to keep in mind. First, we talked about this at the very beginning of the episode when I said that your personal values and your organizational values might be slightly different. But I firmly believe when you set your organization's core values, you must be true to yourself. Don't try to value things that don't matter to you personally. This doesn't mean you don't value things that you're weak at because we need to be working on our own selves as well. But don't value things that you think are absolutely unimportant. Why? Because as we talked about last week, you have to live those values. So if you decide on things that don't matter to you, you're going to be a poor model because you're not going to follow through on those. And when they see you not follow through on one thing, they're going to say, well, maybe the rest of these things don't matter. So don't 
try and value things that you don't care about. Pick things that are true to who you are. Be genuine. Secondly, and I think this is important, don't try to cover everything. If you try to come up with a value for every behavior or action, your list is going to be exhaustive. This is basically then you becoming a rules-based organization, right? How is that any different? Yeah, they might be values, but we've got 30, 40 values listed. They're just more rules. It gets away from the whole point of having core values, right? Core are the things that matter most. Instead, focus on the handful of core values you want to live by. You might talk about other values and teach other values periodically, but the core values are the ones that you value most and are taught, talked about every day. Those are the ones you live. Another important factor to keep in mind is the attitude and needs of our team. Our organization changes over time. As a sports coach, our teams may change every year. They might change middle of the season. Some of our core values may never change, and they probably shouldn't, but some will be what I call generationally dependent. The group you're dealing with might need different things than the group before and the group after. So as leaders, we need to be aware of the needs of our people and provide them with values that help them grow both personally and with the interest of our teams in mind. Be sure to include key stakeholders with this. While as the leader, you have the ultimate responsibility for the values of your organization, you have the final say on what your organization values, everyone involved needs to be on board as well. Talk to those above you. If you're a coach, ask your administration. If you're a business owner, or, you know, manager, talk to your general manager. You know, talk to the owner of your company. Talk to the CEO, the board of directors, whatever it might be. Ask them what they think is important for your organization to value and your people to learn. Talk to people outside of your organization, such as the teachers in your building, and get their input, right? A lot of times as, as you know, a high school coach, it's easy to only focus on my team and forget that there's probably 108 to 110 other teachers in this building who impact these students. So why wouldn't I go get their input? Why wouldn't I go get their impression of my team? I want to know that. How, are they, how would they describe my players? If they had one or two words, what would they use to describe my players? If it's a positive impression, then we want to build on that. We want to continue working with what we've got. However, if it's negative, then you probably need to focus on rebuilding that and say, huh, we have these values, or this is how my people act. I need to determine the values that, I, that we need to change their behavior, to get them to be having a positive impression of my athletes. As a business, you can do the same thing. Check with your customers, your potential customers. What do they think you need to do? What are they saying about your organization? So we want to get the input of those outside our program. And, and coaches, this next one's going to make you shudder a little bit and maybe get a little, uh, little grumpy. But trust me, it will make your life so much easier. You ready for this one? Check with parents. That's right. Check with parents. Get their input. At the end of the day, they are the one that is responsible for their child. What do they think are the values their child needs to learn? Also, doing all of these things, talking to teachers, administration, CEOs, board members, my mid-level managers, all those people, what does that do? Not only does it give us important information to help determine our values, but reaching out to all these stakeholders and others outside our program will help build relationships. That's a huge thing, 
right? This will pay huge dividends in the future. The stronger you can make relationships with people outside your program, the more it's going to benefit your organization. At the same time, don't forget those in your organization. I know a lot of times as leaders, we sometimes forget that the people we lead are pretty smart as well. We kind of get caught up in our own moments, and we forget about how talented the people underneath of us are. So get their input. Talk to your assistant coaches or your mid-level managers. Get your employees or players invested. Ask them what they think is important to learn. You may completely disagree with them, but by getting their input, you build that relationship with them and you know what they value and you know what's important to them. And you can work that into your core values as an organization. So spend a lot of time talking on why it's important to build core values and, and some things to consider. Let's look at some actionable stuff that we can actually do though, okay? So here's some simple activities that you can do. When you sit down to determine your core values, make a list of the top 10 things you think are important to a successful program. Rank them. Keep the top five. I'm a big fan of the rule of five. See if you have any duplicates or things that fit with other ideas, right? I might write down 10 and realize that seven and nine are eh, more or less the same thing. So maybe, maybe we can combine them. Can we build them in together? Make them one value. Like I said, I like the rule of five because it keeps things simple and makes for a visual that's easy to learn. Because remember, our goal is to have people to learn these core values and to live them. The easier we make it for them to learn, the quicker they will know them. Also, try to minimize words. It's easy to get wordy when we start talking about values, but the more words, the harder it will be for everyone to learn. Try to keep it as concise as possible. When I sat down this past offseason and came up with our uh, five core values of James M. Bennett football, I think all of our values are six words or less, but the words we picked were impactful. Uh, you know, one of them is positivity dominates. I mean, that's pretty simple. The next one is own your response. For those of you who are into Brian Kite, you know what uh, E plus R equals O means. We want them to own that R. Things like that. It's not complicated. You use fewer words, but you make those words impactful. And another thing we're requiring everyone to do, to go back to learning and living, is everyone in the program, from the head coach all the way down to the brand newest JV player, is expected to memorize the five values. And at any time, we can quiz them on the, hey, what's value number three? What's value number two? And it's expected that they'll be able to tell us. And I think that's important, not simply because we want them to have rote memorization, but the minute they can start to memorize them, then they can start to learn them, and then they can start to live them. So it's kind of a step-by-step -step process, and it's the first step in making sure they know, hey, this is what we value as a program. But we keep those phrases concise. We keep those values shorter with impactful words because it makes it easier to learn. Another option to determine your core values is to what I call start from the back. Um, imagine the perfect person in your organization. What do your people need to do? Or what character traits and values do they need to get there, right? The elite of the elite in your program the best employee of your company, whatever it might be, what do we want them to look like? Once I determine that, then I backtrack and say, okay, how do we get there? How do we build the skills and values that they need to exceed and be the best one in my program? How can I help develop them into a person? 
then I can determine my core values. I can shape my core values around what I want the ideal person to look like in my program. Lastly, and I kind of feel this goes without saying, because as good leaders, we already do this all of the time. But setting your core values is not a one-time activity. It's not a, an old-school Ronco, right? Just set it and forget it. Not at all. Constantly reassess and communicate with the people that matter on your values. As your organization changes, your values may change. I would argue that some things should never change. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. But some might as you, your people, and your organizations evolve. Like I said, each team year to year is different. Each new trainee group of employees is going to be a little bit different. As technology changes things, as, you know, communication increases or decreases, you know, we, we've been hit with a, a pandemic in the past, I don't even know how many months, right? And we're dealing with a lot of other social issues. So our values as an organization might change a little bit. They might morph. They might evolve. And we need to be aware of that. One tool that I like to use for this and I unashamedly stole this from another coach that I saw a video on. He was talking about his offensive and defensive schemes. But I think the same tool can apply when we use it in the context of our core values. That's what I call an SSC chart, okay? A start-stop-continue chart. If you're a teacher, if you've ever been in education, you probably know what a KWL chart is, right? What I know, what I want to know, and what I learned when it comes to reading. This is very similar to that. You're going to make three columns. In the start column, you write down things you want to start valuing. In the stop column, you write down values you think you can stop emphasizing. And then on the continue column, you're going to write down the values you want to keep a priority. It's kind of a simple way to take complex matters and boil them down to a, an, an easy method. Plus, it gives you a visual to look at. And I think sometimes that's important that we might have ideas, but we need to put them down visually, whether it's on paper or a whiteboard or whatever it might be, to then see, okay, yeah, maybe we don't value this as much, okay? Maybe this is a more important value. By doing that, you can kind of keep things fresh. Like I said, there's going to be some core values you never move away from, and you shouldn't because that's who you are as a person, and that's who you want, or I'm sorry, that's what you want your organization to be like. But as your athletes evolve, as your employees evolve, as you know, your students evolve in the classroom, you might change the value, some of the, the ancillary values, some of the side things say, hey, you know, what's important to me now? So keep some of your core values, but constantly reassess and redetermine what's important to your people. So to summarize everything we've talked about today, it's this. Think about the importance of rules-based versus values-based organizations and how you can incorporate both into your team. Figure out the values that matter most to you as a leader as you will be modeling them but also make sure to get input from stakeholders in your organization as well as those on the outside. This will help shape your core values and help you determine what's important for my program to value, what's important for my organization to understand. This will not only give you a great idea of what you need to work on, but will also help build those strong relationships that will carry your organization in the future. The more people you can get involved and invested in the values of your program, the stronger your relationships and the stronger your organization is going to be. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope I've given you something to think about and take back. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can find me at the following places uh, on Twitter, at Dustin W. Mills, that's mine personally, or, or at AD underscore leadership, that's Anchor Down Leadership. On Facebook, you can find us at Anchor Down Leadership. 
uh, Instagram, it's at AD underscore leadership. My email is Dustin, D-U-S-T-I-N, at anchordownleadership.com. And our website, while still under construction, we do have some stuff for you there, is www.anchordownleadership.com. I would love to hear your feedback. Let me know what you thought about uh, this episode. I'd love to hear any constructive criticism, thoughts, questions you might have, or if you want to have Anchor Down Leadership come work with you, your staff, your business, your team, your organization, or anybody else, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we can do that digitally. We can do it in person. Uh, the, the options are limitless. So thank you again, and I'll leave you with this as I always do. Be sure to always challenge the status quo. Think outside the box. Keep finding new ways to challenge yourself and to anchor down to your core values. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.